Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this time of, of worship and communion and, and just gathering together to, to love you, Lord, and to seek you and to praise you and to worship you and to thank you and to focus on you. And Father, it's all about you. And Father, that's why we come here together, Lord. And, and also, Lord, to just encourage one another and to pray for one another. And Lord, to love one another as your word Lord, states that, Father, that we should love one another as Jesus has loved us. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would minister our hearts this morning. Lord, I decrease that you would increase, empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself, that everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. Praise in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. All right. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles or Bible app, turn to 1 John chapter 4. We're now in chapter 4. Verses 1 through 6 is today's text. We're now in part 10 of our series, Authentic. Say authentic. Come on, say it with more enthusiasm. Authentic. Part 10 now, authentic. First John 4, the Epistle John, not the Gospel John, the Epistle John 4, verses 1 through 6. And as always, before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, which was chapter 3, verses 11 24, and I give you two points. The first point of last week's text was compassion. Say that. Compassion, that's in verses 11 through 18. And, and John says what, con- what confirms our position in Christ, what confirms that we are truly saved, is our compassion, our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then John gives an exhortation to love, and he says this is the message you heard from the beginning we should love one another. And that message is found in John chapter, the Gospel of John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, where Jesus says, a new command I give you, and this is a new command he gives, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So there's an inseparable connection there, right? Right? If we're saved, this love that's in Jesus will be in, in us. And then John gives one example of one who did not love his brother. He says, do not be like Cain, who murdered his brother Abel. And then John tells us, don't be surprised. Don't. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. In other words, don't be surprised or or shocked in, in context here, right? If the world hates you, just like Cain hated his brother. And then he says then that loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, what it does, it shows that we have passed from death to what? Life. Say life. Why? Because compassion confirms salvation. Then John makes it clear that anyone who does not, does not love, remains in death. They're spiritually dead, never been brought from death unto life in Christ. And then he says, and anyone who hates his brother, that's a present participle, uh, in other words, continually hating his brother is a murderer and does not have eternal life. And then John then points out the extent of, of our love, we are to owe it to each other, right? Owe it to each other, uh, to love each other like Jesus loves us. I love that. And that our lives should be a continual giving out, say giving out on behalf of others, a self-sacrificing love that was modeled by Jesus, love that can be seen, love in action. The second point was confidence, say that. Confidence, and that's in verses 19 through 24, and that confidence, in other words, assurance is the, the blessing that comes to the believer who is practicing, say practicing, Christian love. It bears witness to our relationship with Jesus. And then John says the opposite of a feeling of condemnation is confidence. Confidence. And that obeying Jesus 
in context, obeying Jesus in context, loving others, right, and being marked by love gives proof that we abide in him and that Jesus abides in us. And as we abide in him, he assures us, right, assures us of his abiding presence. And we know this, how? How? By the Holy Spirit who indwells our lives. If you got it, say got it. This now brings us to today's text, and the title of my message today is Discernment. Say that. It's a good word. Say discernment. And John, what he does, he begins this chapter by talking about the necessity of discernment. Now, the word discernment simply means the ability to judge well. Say that. The ability to judge well. That's all discernment means, the ability to judge well. In today's text, John's dealing with the issue of discernment regarding false prophets, false teachers, and and false preachers. And it's something he previously dealt with back in, you might remember this, back in chapter 2. And you see, the main problem in the early church was fake, false doctrine, false teaching. Now, if you're saved, say amen. Now, Now, I believe that second only to our need for a lifestyle of holiness is our need for discernment. That's, that's what I believe. And listen, as believers, we must know how to believe, how to believe, and how not to believe at the same time. And that is, friends, we must believe truth and reject, reject error. Amen? Today's text tells us that it's impossible, impossible to believe truth without rejecting error. Rejecting error. And as believers, we must be able to detect deception. And by the way, friends, one of the marks of Christian maturity is able to discern truth from error. If you got it, say got it. You see, everything, say everything, with the Christian life begins with the truth. With sound doctrine. I love that, say sound doctrine. Doctrine simply means scriptural teaching, scriptural teaching on theological truths. That's all it means. Right? Scriptural teaching on theological truth. In other words, it's a system, a system of true teachings. That's what doctrine, excuse me, doctrine means. Therefore, we must always be guarding the truth. Now, today's text begs for our attention. It begs for our understanding, right, for the need for spiritual discernment. Three points, if you're ready, say yes. Point number one is, here we go, the reason for discernment. Say that. The reason for discernment. Write that down. The reason for discernment. We're going to look at verse 1 now. Aren't you glad to be in God's house? Okay, here we go. He says, dear friends. John says, dear friends. We know that's a term of endearment referring to believers. Say believers. Okay, so he says, dear friends, believers, do not believe every spirit. I want to stop there. Say, do not believe. That whole phrase, do not believe, is in the imperative mood It's a verb form that gives a command. This is a command. Say command. So John is commanding all believers, do not believe every spirit, but also it's in the present tense. Present tense, which means this is constant and continual. Got it? So John is simply challenging us to stop being so gullible, stop being so naive, stop being so undiscerning, stop being so foolish. Do not believe everything that you hear. And he's warning and he's commanding us on a constant, continual basis to not 
believe to not trust every spirit. Notice, do not believe every spirit. Say every spirit. That implies there is more than one spirit. Yeah? Right? There's more than the Holy Spirit. There are other spirits in this world. So that begs, begs the question, who are these other spirits? They are demon spirits. Demon spirits that are behind and empowering every false prophet, every false teacher, every false preacher who teaches doctrines of demons. You guys with me? Now I want you to write this down. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Paul writes, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. You guys with me? And those who abandon the faith are apostates. They were never part of the family of God. Will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. You guys with me? These demon spirits are deceitful. They're con artists. They teach doctrines of demons. And I want to tell you, friends, their teachings are, are, are hatched in the flames of hell. If you're safe, say amen. And get this, please. Just because something has a supernatural feel to it. I'm going to say it again. Just because something has a supernatural feel to it, it doesn't mean that it's from God. There are other spirits than just the Holy Spirit at work, right? There's demonic spirits. They are false demonic spirits that oppose the true spirit of God. Now listen to what John says. Let's read on. But test the spirits to see whether they are from who? God. I want to stop there. Say, but test the spirits. Come on. This is in the imperative move again. Mood. Imperative mood. In other words, it's a command. We are being commanded as believers to test the spirits. Amen? We have the responsibility to test the spirits. This is something that we as believers must do. We're commanded to do this. It's also, again, in the present tense. We are to always be testing the spirits. If you got it, say got it. Now, now say test. In the Greek, the word test is dokimatso. Say that. Dokimatso, it means to examine, it means to prove, it means to scrutinize, to see whether a thing is genuine or not. It means to recognize as genuine after examination, to approve, to, to deem worthy, to, to look at it and deem it worthy. It was used to test metals, to, pull, to put it into the furnace, to determine whether to see if it's real, to see if it's true, valuable, or fake, a fraud, or worthless. And so what John is telling us is whatever we hear, whoever we listen to, we need to take it and put it under the fire to test the spirit behind the teaching to see if it's pure, if it's real, if it's sound, if it's true, or if it's false, fake, or if it's a fraud. You guys with me? And again, listen, listen, listen. Just because someone speaks about the Bible, just because someone speaks about God, just because someone speaks about Jesus or performs miracles in the name of Jesus doesn't mean it's divine. 
It doesn't mean it's of God. It may sound good, even feel good, but if it's not from God, then don't believe it. And just because someone is standing behind a pulpit, just because they can attract a crowd, just because they're on Christian television or Christian radio or on YouTube doesn't mean that they're speaking the truth. We need to be discerning. In fact, in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 5, Jesus answered, watch out. This is Jesus talking. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many, say many, there's a lot of them, a lot of them. For many will come in, this is what he says, in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. And the sad thing is too many Christians believe that anyone who names the name of Christ must be right. Not true. Listen, we have a biblical responsibility to make sure that what is taught, that what is preached is accurate to determine what is of God and what is not of God. So this begs the question, how do we test the spirits? Well, if you're, you're safe, say amen. Come on. Well, guess what, friends? We have the Holy Spirit living in us, and not just the Spirit of God living in us, but we have the very written Word of God to test the spirits. Isn't that a good thing? We have the Spirit and God's Word to test the spirits, to determine what is of God and what is not of God. This is why we need to be in tune with the Spirit, in step with the Spirit, and need to be in God's Word, not just in God's Word, but know God's Word. It's imperative, imperative that we are walking, and again, again, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, sensitive to the Spirit's voice in our life, and know God's Word in order to distinguish truth from error. Listen, listen. The test of all teaching or all doctrine is the Word of God. Say the Word of God. If you're safe, say amen. Listen, as Christians, and I want you to get this, as Christians, our authority, our authority is not reason, it's not feelings, it's not emotions or experience, but the infallible Word of God. Therefore, we must know the Word of God if we're going to be able to distinguish truth from error. Now, I want you to write this down, Acts chapter 17, verse 11 and, and I believe we, we gave you this scripture a while back on the beginning of this series, Acts 17, verse 11. And what Paul does, Paul goes to the city of Berea, and he goes there to minister the word there. And most of you might know this, right? It says, now the Berean Jews, say Berean, the Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. And this is what he says, for they, I love this, for they received the message with great eagerness. Now, I want to stop there because they, they loved, in other words, they loved Bible preaching. They, they loved Bible They received it with great eagerness. There was an, an, an enthusiastic response to the Word of God. They were attentive to Paul's preaching. They couldn't wait to open God's Word. They were excited about, about what God would have for them. There was a readiness, a readiness to receive the Word of God. So, question during the preaching of God's word here at Cry Out, friends, are you enthusiastically responding to his word? Are you attentive to what his word is saying? Are you one, listen now, are you one who cannot wait, cannot wait to sit and open God's word? Are you excited 
about what God would have for you. Because the Bereans were, they were, and notice, they were not only eager, but examined, this read on, well, I'm going to read the, the rest of the verse to you, and examine the scriptures, say examine, the scriptures every day to see if what Paul, we're talking about Paul, what Paul said was true. They not only read the word daily and devotionally, but they studied it theologically. So here's the lesson. Ready? Be a Berean. And this is going to be a major theme throughout the rest of this book. Be a Berean. It is the responsibility of every single Christian to be Bereans. And we should, listen now, imitate them by faithfully studying God's word daily and discussing it, and testing it, and examining it, right? Examining the message that we hear. And I want to tell you, friends, I'm your pastor, amen? And I love you, you love me, but everything you hear from this pulpit, from me, or any other preacher or teacher from this pulpit, you need to go home and examine it. Examine what was preached to make sure it's the Word of God, to make sure it's sound doctrine, to make sure it's truth. Don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. Amen? Now notice John tells us why it's necessary and critically, critically important to test the spirits. Here we go. Let's read on. Because many, here's that word again, many false prophets have gone out into the world. Notice the word, excuse me, the word, the word many. Say many. The Bible never uses the word many as it relates to true preachers. It never uses the word many as it relates to true preachers. It reserves the word many for false prophets, false teachers, false preachers. And perhaps because there will be more false prophets and false teachers and false preachers than true preachers and teachers. This was true in the Old Testament, right? This was true in the New Testament. We're reading about it right now and right throughout human history, but it's also true today. Speaking of the Old Testament, in the Old Testament law, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, read it, it's amazing, right? God gave the children of Israel a way to distinguish the true prophet from the false prophet. And this is it, friends. If the prophet says something, says something will come to pass, and it doesn't, right? It doesn't come to pass, that person's a false prophet. You have to be 100% right. And if not, if you're 99.9% right, right, you're still, you're a false prophet. You guys with me? In Matthew 7, uh, 15 through 20, Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20, Jesus says this, watch out, say watch out for false prophets. And he says this, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will what? Recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree, say good tree, bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears what? Obviously, right, bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This, listen now, this, by their fruit, say by their fruit, you will recognize them. 
Listen, false prophets, false teachers, false preachers are not going to come to you and say, hey, I'm your local false prophet, eh? Hey, I'm your local false teacher. I'm your local false preacher. No, hey, I'm here to deceive you. They're not going to say that. They're not. They look like sheep. They buy like sheep. They do. They smell like sheep. Okay? But they're wolves. They're wolves. And they are fraudulent wolves in sheep's clothing controlled by demon spirits. And they're fleecing the flock. In Acts chapter 20, Acts 20, verses 29 through 31, is Paul's farewell message to the elders in the church of Ephesus. And this is what he says as he's getting ready to leave. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. You hear that? This is what he says. Even from your own number, men will rise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. In the church, then he says this, so be, I love this, so be on your guard. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I have never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Here's the lesson. Be on our guard. We got to. We got to, amen? And we do this by what? By being in the word of God. And we'll be able to determine what is truth from error. Be able to determine who's speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit and who is speaking under the influence of a demonic demon spirit. So he gives us the reason for discernment. Say that, the reason for discernment. Point number two is the basis for discernment. Say that, the basis for discernment. Write that down. And here, I love this, what John does. John gives the actual test, um, the actual test, the standard, the basis that separates the true preacher from the false preacher. You guys with me? Look at verse 2. This is how, this is how you can what? Recognize the Spirit of God. In other words, by this, by this, you can detect and discern the preacher who is indwelt by, taught by, and under the influence of the Holy Spirit. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit, say every spirit, speaking of the human spirit that is governed by the Holy Spirit. Got it? That acknowledges, in other words, confesses, means to agree with, to say something as, homologeo, so it means, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. From who? You got, you got to get that, Okay. That Jesus Christ has come in the flesh from God. If they acknowledge, he's saying, that Jesus Christ has in fact come in the flesh, then they are from God. To deny that is to not be of God, right? Now listen, if if a teacher or a preacher is wrong on the nature and the person of Jesus Christ, if they deny the true deity and humanity of Jesus Christ, they're false teachers. They're false preachers. They're not teaching the truth. Look at verse 3. But every spirit, say every spirit, speaking of demon, demon spirit, 
that does not acknowledge, does not confess, Jesus is not from who? Not from God. I want to stop there. This, this, this person is not from God, has not been called by God, has, has not been taught by God, has not been indwelt with God's Holy Spirit. So this person is a fraud, say fraud. This person is a counterfeit, say counterfeit. This person is indwelt and driven by a different spirit. Well, John defines that spirit. Let's read on. This is a spirit of the who? Antichrist. Say Antichrist. I want to stop there. Listen, the incarnation of Jesus Christ is the central teaching of Christianity. God became a man. Do we agree with that? The Bible states that. And to deny, to deny that he came in the flesh, that he was human and also divine, is the spirit. To deny that is the spirit of the Antichrist. It is the spirit of the devil, of demons who are in opposition to the true Christ. They are the spirit behind every single preacher, every single teacher who opposes Jesus by bringing false doctrine about Jesus. And you see the Gnostics? Because that's what we're talking about. The Gnostics didn't believe that Jesus had the same fleshly body as we have. They denied the incarnation. Well, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, tells us otherwise, right? He says the Word. Who's the Word? Jesus, the Word, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen, say seen, His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, I love that, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The fact that the Gnostics denied that the Word, which is Jesus, became flesh means they denied the virgin birth. They, did, they denied Jesus' sin, sinless life. They, did, they denied Jesus' substitutionary death because you have to have a body in order to die. And they denied his what? Resurrection. Now notice what John says concerning the spirit of the Antichrist. Let's read on. Which you have heard, say heard, is coming and even now is already in the world. John's like, you've heard it. To believers, you guys, believers, you've heard it. And they've heard it from the New Testament writer, right? The New Testament, every, every single New Testament writer who warned them against false teachers and false prophets and false preachers. Also, what Jesus said about false prophets. So he says, you guys heard this. You know this. This, this, this shouldn't surprise you. And you see, there are many today, listen now, who are willing to, to, to say acceptable things about Jesus, but they will not confess Jesus as God incarnate. Right? So you ready for the lesson? I love this one. Theology matters. Write it down. Say theology matters. Doesn't it? The, the content of our theology, friends, listen now, matters. It matters, and this is why we need to, to hear and study sound, sound doctrine, especially with regard to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Listen, church, who Jesus is, say that, say that, is always the supreme test of Christianity. It is, and we need to take the truth about Jesus Christ seriously, right? Now listen. And I've said this before, if what you believe about Jesus is wrong, it really doesn't matter what you're right about. I'm going to say it again because you didn't get it. 
Okay? If what you believe about Jesus is wrong, wrong, it really doesn't matter what you're right about. And I want you to follow me here. You cannot be wrong about Jesus and be right with God. Can't. In order to be right with God, you have to be right with about Jesus. For, for the Mormon who believes that Jesus is a spirit brother of Lucifer, for the Jehovah's Witness who believes that Jesus was created as the archangel Michael, for the Muslim who believes that Jesus is a great prophet, just a great prophet second to Muhammad, for the Buddhist who believes that Jesus is a good man who taught about the Dharma to help people and others find liberation, they don't get it right about Jesus. They don't. They're all wrong about who Jesus is. And I want to tell you, friends, the acid test between the true preacher and false preacher is what Jesus do you preach? What Jesus do you preach? Is it the true Jesus of the Bible or a false Jesus you made up? You guys with me? And so, friends, that's the basis for discernment. Theology does matter. Amen? And we will do our best here at Cry Out, whether it's me, Pastor Joey, or other teachers here, and, and those who preach here, we're going to teach you sound doctrine and theology. Amen? Say the reason for discernment. Come on. Say the basis for discernment. And number three is the evidence of discernment. The evidence of discernment. If, if, if you love this, say amen. I love it. Amen. Verse 4. Verse 4. You, dear children, there's that term of endearment, are from God. Right? He's speaking to believers. In other words, what he's saying, by total contrast, okay, you are from God. Hey, believers, you're from God. Okay? The false prophets, teachers, preachers are not from God. But you are. Don't you love that? And I love how John, how he addresses his audience, and he's, he's pointing to the new birth. You notice that? And the fact that you, you are from God means you belong to God. It means, friends, that you are called by God, that you are indwelt by God's Holy Spirit. Amen? That you are taught by God. And he says this, and have overcome them. Who's them? The false preachers and teachers and prophets. Okay? You overcome their false teachings. You overcome their false gospel. Okay? You have not given into or submitted to them. Now, how is it that a true believer can overcome them? Well, let's read on. Because the one who is in you, that's God's Holy Spirit, amen, is greater, say greater, than the one. Who's the one? Satan. The one who's behind false teachers who is in the world. You guys getting this? Now, now the Gnostics were probably, probably intellectually superior to these believers, but, say but, the presence of God's abiding spirit gave the believers the ability to discern the false teaching because the one who is in them is greater than the one who is in the world. Amen? It was the fact that God was greater than the di diabolical spirit that was at work behind the teachers and preachers and false prophets who preached error. Corrie ten Boone said this, There are two great forces at work in the world today the unlimited power of God, and the limited power of Satan. You guys with me? So yes, it's true that the Antichrist, Antichrist spirit, is it in the world today? Come on, yep, okay. But the Holy Spirit's in us. 
So we don't need to fear, right, or freak out, right? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Verse 5, verse 5. They, speaking of the false teachers, are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of who? The world. And, and what happens? The world what? Listens or hears, listens to them or hears them. John's saying, John's saying, listen now, friends, saying that false teachers say the things the world wants to hear. Therefore, the false teachers are popular with the world. Right? Their message is worldly wisdom. Their message is worldly thinking, worldly philosophy, worldly values, worldly, a worldly perspective, worldly agendas. Their message is not, listen now, their message is not a message about sin, not about repentance, not about carrying your cross, not about holiness, not about dying to self, not about separation from the world. This is why the world listens to them. The world's philosophy is anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Bible, anti-truth, anti-purity, anti-holiness. Do I have a witness? Therefore, anything, listen, anything that would destroy a person's faith in Christianity is welcomed by the evil world system. These false teachers are the product of this evil world system. They're not the product of the Holy Spirit. This is why Christianity, I mean, we see today, man, Christianity is under attack. Right? It's under attack. This is why Christianity, holiness, purity, truth, is not popular in our world today. Anyone who is faithful, who is sold out to Christ, will face disapproval from the world. In fact, the world will hate you. And I said last week, I believe, yeah, if the world doesn't hate you, right, if they don't disapprove of you, there's something wrong maybe with your walk. John chapter 17, verse 14. Jesus says, I have given them your word and, your world, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Verse 6. We're almost done here. Verse 6. We, say we, that's speaking of John and the other apostles. Okay? We, John and the other apostles, are from God. And whoever knows God, okay, those who are born again, those who are saved, listen to us. Do you get that? Why? Because they, the apostles, they preach the true Christ. They preach the true gospel, okay? The word of God and the gospel rings true to the believer's ears. They know truth. But whoever, say whoever, speaking of the unbeliever, the one who sits under the false teacher, is not from God, right? Does not listen to us. In other words, turns a deaf ear to sound doctrine. This is how, say this is how, we recognize the spirit of truth, and the spirit of what? Falsehood. You guys got that? So what John is doing here, he's making it very clear that all who are born of God, all who are born again, all who are saved, truly saved, will accept the teachings of the apostles as it's found in the New Testament. And those who are not of God refuse the teachings of the apostles found in the New Testament. So here's the last lesson and we're going to wrap it up, okay? You guys okay with that? Here we go. Truth matters. 
Truth matters. It matters. Truth matters. And we live in a world today where it's all about, you know, there are no, there are no absolutes. It's all relative. No, no. Truth matters. It does matter, right? The Bible, the Word of God, is our standard of truth. This is it, friends. It's not our feelings. It's not our philosophy. It's not what culture says. The Bible is our standard of truth. Real, genuine, authentic, sold-out Christians will love the Word of God, and not only love the Word of God, but submit to the very authority of God's Word and what God's Word says. Amen? See, those with the spirit of error do not respond to the truth. They do not hear the Bible as God's Word. On the other hand, those of us, say those of us, with the spirit of truth, have God's truth in our hearts because the Bible is our standard of truth. <laughs> this is it. This is it. This is our standard of truth. We've got to live by it, believe it, know it. Amen? And how can you tell counterfeit from the true thing? Put the true, put the true thing next to it. Amen? So theology matters. It does. Doctrine matters. Truth matters. So my charge to you as your pastor, as one who loves you, be discerning. Know what the Bible says and know what it says in context. I hate to say there's a lot of fools out there who are taking things out of context. And they're making it say what they want it to say. We've got to be discerning. Can I get an Amen. Amen. Let's praise him. He's worthy. Amen. Let's all stand.